Welcome to the sermon podcast of Exodus Church, located in Belmont, North Carolina. For more information about our church and the many ways you can be involved, please go to our website at theexoduschurch.org or email us at info at theexoduschurch.org. Hey guys, it is so good to see you here today. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here and welcome to Easter at Exodus. I hope that you are ready to enjoy uh, singing together, hearing from God's word. And uh, I want to focus on that word together. Okay, we are so grateful to be together today. Um, now, kiddos, we are so glad you're with us. We want you to enjoy this day. Mom and dad, it's more important that they enjoy this day than that they sit still, okay? And so we hope that that little activity bag is helpful to you and that you enjoy celebrating the reality that Jesus Christ is alive. And that's what we want to celebrate today. So if you have your Bible with you, uh, take it and turn to 1 Corinthians 15. Um, If you uh, did not bring a Bible with you, um, the passage that we're going to be looking at is in uh, in the booklet that we've given you today. And uh, that's where we'll be. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Uh, I am so happy to be spending with Easter with you today at the mill. Hopefully next year, will be in the mill, okay? Uh, this is our last Easter. We weren't here. We had the mill. This year, we're at it. Next year, I hope that we're in it, but we are so blessed to be together. It has been a crazy 13 months. It's been a crazy 13 months. So many opportunities to be afraid, so many opportunities to worry, so many opportunities to lose hope, And honestly, it feels like every week there's just a new opportunity to be worried, afraid, and hopeless. But the good news that we came to celebrate today is that Jesus Christ is alive, that he lived and died for our pardon, that he rose victorious over sin in the grave, that he rules and reigns and will one day return. And because that's true, we can have hope today. And because that's true, whatever life brings at us, we cannot just face it, but we can flourish in it because Jesus Christ is alive. That's the hope that we have today. And that's the hope that we want you to leave here with today, that because Jesus Christ is alive, whatever life throws at us, we can not just face it, but we can flourish in it. And so we're going to read one verse today and then talk about what that verse is saying, and then we'll continue singing. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Paul writes this, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Let's pray together. Father, we're, we're so grateful for this beautiful day. We're grateful for a sun that warms us up. We're grateful for the privilege of seeing friends and and our brothers and sisters in Christ today. We're so grateful for that privilege. We're grateful, Jesus, that you are alive, that you died for our sin, that you were buried, that you were raised to new life so that by faith we have hope, hope to face whatever life brings, hope to flourish wherever we are. And so, Lord, we we want to meet with you today. We don't just want to gather. We don't just want to sing. We don't just want to hear from your word. We want to meet with you today. So, Lord, would you speak? Would you speak through your word into our hearts and lives? And we pray this 
In Christ's name, amen. So this is a short verse, right? But there's a lot going on in it. I want us to see three things. I want us to see who Paul's talking to. Paul's the guy that wrote this letter. I want us to see what he wants for them. And I want us to see why, okay? Who, what, why? That's what we're gonna talk about today. All right, first, I want us to see who Paul's talking to. He says in verse 58, therefore, my beloved brothers, now, what we need to know about this church is that it was one of the most messed up churches in all the New Testament. In fact, all the churches in the New Testament were messed up. That's why Paul wrote them letters. And this church was particularly messed up. They were first deeply divided. You had people that had their favorite celebrity pastor and they were kind of on their team. I'm of Paul, some said. Some said, I'm of Apollos. Some said, I'm of Peter. And they were greatly divided around these things. Second thing you need to know about this church, they were deeply impacted by an over-sexualized culture. And so uh, Corinth, the city where the church was, it was known for sexual immorality. That's what it was known for. In fact, the verb form of the town to Corinthianize meant sexual immorality. And the church, people in the church were doing things that the people in the town were saying, how could you do that? That's how bad this church was. And yet Paul writes to them and says this, therefore, my beloved brothers, regardless of how messed up, regardless of how bad, regardless of their story, Paul says they're beloved. And not only are they loved, loved by God, they're also brothers. Now that word can be translated brothers and sisters. What it means is that we're part of the family of God. And this idea of God's family means that there's a vertical dimension to this, there's a horizontal dimension of this. It's cross-shaped. The vertical dimension means that we're, because we're brothers, it means we're part of God's family. Not because we earn that, not because we deserve that, but because God our Father loved us so much that he sent Jesus the Son to live, die, and rise again so that people like us could be part of God's family. Again, we never earn it. We never achieve it. It's always a gift that we are part of the family of God. There's this vertical dimension that we belong to God. God is our father and he loves us. We're part of his family. But there's a horizontal dimension here too, that we're brothers and sisters together. We're part of the family of God. And sometimes brothers and sisters don't get along. Sometimes brothers and sisters fight and argue. But we're family we're brothers and sisters together, Paul says. And so Paul is speaking to the family of God. Now, I want you to see what he wants for them. Look at verse 58. He says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. He wants two things for them. First thing he wants is he wants them to be grounded. That's what those two words, steadfast and movable, mean. Some translations say this, let nothing move you. Think about something that you know is steadfast and movable. Think of a mountain. Think of a really huge boulder rock that just will not be moved. That's what Paul wants for you and for me. He says he wants you to be steadfast and movable. Let nothing move you. Whatever life throws at you, Paul says, be steadfast and immovable. He wants us to be grounded. Well, then we might ask, grounded in what? Grounded in what? Well, the whole chapter, Paul has been saying, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel. 
that I preached to you, which you also received. And he tells them this gospel is, a, is what you stand in presently. It's your present hope. And then he also says, not only is it the hope in which you stand, by which you're being saved, he says. Paul says he wants us to be reminded of the gospel that we stand in and by which we are being saved. That's what he wants us to be grounded in. He wants us to be grounded in a hope that will give us all we need to face whatever life brings at us. That's what he wants for us. He wants us to be grounded. And Paul reminds them, I preach to you what was of first importance, that Christ died for our sin. Man, that's good news. That he was buried and that he rose from the grave, victorious over sin and death. And Paul wants them and wants us to be grounded in that, to be steadfast and movable, to not let anybody move us from the hope we have in the gospel. And Paul wants to remind them of that, but that also was hope for Paul. Look at verse nine of chapter 15. Paul says this, for I, Paul speaking of himself, I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle. Paul says, look, my, Paul says, look, my story was really dark and bad. Like I'm the least, I'm unworthy. And he's not just having a bad day. He has a reason. He says, because I persecuted the church of God. You see, when Paul got saved, he was on his way to persecute Christians. He was not on his way to a Bible study. He was on his way to persecute and imprison Christians. And Jesus appeared to Paul and said, you belong to me and radically changed him and gave him a purpose for his life. And he says that in verse 10, Paul says, but even though I'm least, even though I'm unworthy, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, Paul says. So Paul wants them to be grounded in this gospel that he's personally grounded in because the gospel is the only thing that will give us the hope we need to face what life's gonna throw at us. Second thing Paul wants for them in verse 58 is he wants them to not only be grounded in the gospel, he wants them to be invested in God's work. Look at verse 58. He says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, grounded, always abounding in the work of the Lord. He wants them to do more than face what's coming. He wants them to flourish in it. You Listen to that word, abounding, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Maybe your translation says giving yourself fully. One translation says work enthusiastically. Do you hear the, do you hear the flourish word in that? Like God doesn't just want us to endure what's coming, to face what's coming. He wants us to flourish in what God's called us to. All because of the hope we have in the gospel. And listen, there's never been a generation that wants a purpose and a reason more than this one. You watch every small business that's created, every single one of them has a mission statement that's beyond their product. You, 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 you listen to every story, you listen to every, uh, everything that's coming out in media. Everything is telling us we want to be a part of something bigger. And what Paul is saying here is that we can be part of the biggest thing happening in the universe, the work of the Lord. And he wants us to not just endure what's coming. He wants us to flourish and thrive 
in what God has for us, all because Jesus is alive. Now, he says, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Now, it might be possible for us to have that in a category of, okay, that's what preachers do, that's what, or maybe that's what I do at church. When I think about the work of the Lord, maybe that's what that is. That's not what Paul's talking about. Paul's talking about anything we do in the name of the Lord for the glory of the Lord. That's what the work of the Lord is. So a kind word to a stranger done for the glory of the Lord in the name of the Lord. Sharing the gospel with your neighbors for the glory of the Lord in the name of the Lord. Parenting your children in the glory of the Lord for the, in the name of the Lord for the glory of the Lord. Doing your job for the glory of the Lord in the name of the Lord. That is the work of the Lord and he wants us to abound in it. He doesn't want us to just face what's coming. He wants us to flourish in it. Why? Why? There's two reasons, two reasons. First, because Jesus is alive. Listen, the main point of the whole chapter, that word therefore in verse 58 is pointing back to the whole chapter. And the main point of 1 Corinthians 15 is that Jesus Christ is alive, that he died for our sin, that he was buried, that he was raised from the grave, that he is alive. And if Jesus was raised from the tomb, then nothing is impossible with our God. Your problems are not stronger than the grip of death on Jesus. Your fears are not stronger than death's grip on Jesus. Your worries are not stronger than death's grip on Jesus. Whatever you'll face tomorrow is not stronger than death's grip on Jesus. And because Jesus is alive, we can face whatever tomorrow brings. Regardless of what we're facing, Jesus is alive. The second reason, the second reason Paul wants God's family to be grounded in the gospel and invested in gospel ministry is in verse 58. It's because our labor is not in vain. Look at verse 58. He says, uh, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, be grounded, always abounding in the work of the Lord, be invested in God's work. Why? Knowing not hoping, not wondering, not, you know, perhaps knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. The reason we can face tomorrow, the, we, the reason we can flourish in whatever God has called us to do is not only is Jesus Christ alive, but because our labor in the Lord is not in vain. And that's really good news. It's really good news. So my prayer for us today has been, that we would be grounded in God's gospel so that whatever we face, we would endure. That we would be invested in God's purpose so we can flourish in whatever God has called us to do because Jesus is alive and our labor is not in vain. And the only way, the only way you can have this kind of hope, only one way you can have this kind of hope, and that's if you're part of God's family. If you're part of God's family, you got this hope. It's a good hope. It's the only hope we have and it's the only hope we need. It's a good hope. 
And so the most important question I'm gonna ask you today is this. Are you part of God's family? Are you part of God's family? Are you one of those beloved brothers and sisters that he's talking to in verse 58? Are you part of his family? There's only one way to get in there. Only one way in. The only way that we get to be part of God's family is through faith in God's son. You don't earn it. You don't level up. You don't do more good things than bad. The only way to get in God's family is through faith in God's son. And there's plenty of room. There's plenty of room. There's plenty of room for you in God's family. It may be that today you're thinking, man, you don't know my story. I would say you don't know my story. God knows your story and there's plenty of room for you in God's family. An old uh, writer said this, there's more grace in God than sin in you. There's plenty of room for you in God's family. And the only way you get the kind of hope that will see us through these kind of days is to be part of his family. Now, you might be thinking, uh, maybe you're here because you're with family. Maybe uh, somebody uh, asked you to come. Uh, maybe you're not yet part of God's family and you're thinking, man, all this talk about hope, it really sounds like you Christians are a bunch of really weak people. Well, that's true, A, that's true. But it may be that you've just never faced a problem that was too big for you. It may be that everything you've touched, you've flourished in, that you've never, you've never faced a problem that was too big. And you've always been able to achieve. And you're thinking, man, y'all really need this kind of hope? Y'all really need this to survive? The answer is 100%. We do. And the thing I would say to you, if that's kind of your heart about what you've heard today, I would say this. You might not face anything in this life that's too hard for you. You might, you might just skate through life with no problems, no worries. Everything you touch might turn to gold, but there's coming a time. There's coming a day when you're going to face a problem that's too big for you. There's going to be a day when every single one of us stand before the judgment seat of God. And we're going to stand there and give an account for everything we've done. And on that day, you could try to defend yourself. You could try to say, hey, I've done more good things than bad or I'm better than my neighbor or I was really sincere about what I believed. And if that's your plan, that's gonna be a day that's too hard for you. That's gonna be a day when all your flourishing and success is gonna catch up with you because your sincerity will not be enough in that moment. Your goodness will not be enough in that moment. There's only one thing that will be enough in that moment, and that's the blood of Jesus shed for you. And so you could stand before God by yourself, or you could stand there with a defender who says on your behalf, he's worse off than he could ever imagine, and he's more forgiven than he knows. Because Jesus, the one and only son of God, died in your place, for your sin. He was buried. He was raised so that we could have the kind of hope that would allow us to face whatever's coming and to flourish in whatever God calls us to. My hope today is that you leave here 
with that kind of hope because we don't know what tomorrow's gonna bring. We don't know what kind of problems tomorrow will have. But what we do know, we know that Jesus Christ is alive. And so there's nothing impossible for our God. Let's pray together. Father God, we, we rejoice that you love us so much that you would make us part of your family. We rejoice that you would make a way for broken, sinful people to belong to you. We rejoice that you give us a hope that allows us to face whatever, whatever is coming. Lord, we rejoice that you give us a hope so that we might flourish in whatever you have called us to. And Lord, as we, as we sing and as we celebrate the, the reality that Jesus is alive, would you fill us, fill us with hope today? We need it. We need hope in these days. Fill us with it. And we pray all this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.